podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to the five-year plan podcast. Wow, that was an overflowing uh, enthusiasm, which I'm sure will get knocked out of us very soon, because this is the week that Palace lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle on Friday night, continuing that fantastic run we have of never having won on a Friday in the Premier League. Uh, I'm Jim Daly, joining me, uh, well, two returning pod favourites. Chloe Petz is here. Hello to you. Hello, thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you on as well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, I've had my first sort of return to public life this week and uh, I've got a massive spot on my head, so I think that that's good timing. But that's all I have to report, really. <laughs> In many ways, typical palace. I've got it, I've got it out of the way early. <laughs> um, and also, uh, Travis Endicott is here as well. How are you? How's Hello. things? Grand, grand. Chipped my tooth yesterday, so I need to get that sorted. Um, but luckily, um, I've had a few days in the pub before anyone else. So swings and roundabouts, ups and downs, wins and Is losses. Is that how you chipped your but tooth? Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, I was playing pool. I, yeah, ball bounced off the cushion, bang in the face. Oh, yeah, a little yeah. chips off the corner. Yeah, so yeah, I'm all right. Apart you from you said that's the sixth tooth you've chipped, so you're, you're a bit of an expert in that. Yeah, I fractured my jaw a few years ago, so I had a few go then as well. So it's yeah, it's I've a been sign in the of coolness, mate. We've all got them. <laughs> and um, yeah, also back, and I'm disappointed to say, without that 1940s <laughs> detective Tash that we all loved, but he's here anyway. It's Mr. Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello. How are you? <laughs> well, I was fine until you mentioned two returning favourites. Uh, now I'm yeah. slightly sulky. <laughs> That there's not three returning favourites, but you know, and <laughs> yeah. you, you had all that enthusiasm of energy and youth at the start of the pod, but it turns out that Granddad's the only one who's not facially falling apart, so you know. <laughs> well, you are <laughs> anyway, because the Tash has disappeared. That's but... true, yeah. Well, it's Ali, <laughs> Ali made it was her birthday on Sunday, and she, she made it clear in no uncertain terms that if it wasn't gone by her birthday, she would be, basically. And her, what's, Tra- <laughs> what's Travis been doing in the pub? How can he been? Where have you been? Have you been down the city? I, 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 I run a pub. Kev, so it's my duty to be in there and set up and get things in ah, order and in place for the, uh, for, the, for the month ahead. You're making sure the pumps yeah. were working and the bottle, the bottle openers were good. And Yeah, yeah. I've made sure all the beer still tastes good. I had to have a few of each beer just to make sure. And I had to go back over, over numerous days to make sure I wasn't, oh, I haven't had this for a while. It's Oh, it does taste it should. Yeah. Just make, make sure the pool table's still working. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it definitely works. The cushions are really bouncy. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are you are so dedicated to your job, mate. Well, I've got so much respect. Um, right. So before we crack on with part one, uh, can I get a drum roll for a shout out to a random patron, please? Beautiful. It's Mrs. This is one for Kevin. Foxy Beaver. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, Mrs. Foxy Beaver. Yeah. That's a double barrel name, I presume, is it? She was just playing, just playing Mrs. Foxy until she married Mr. Beaver, I'm I guessing. Believe. Is that right? Yeah. I believe so. I believe so. So thank you very much to Foxy uh, for joining our patron. You can also join our patron and get all the rewards. That entails like the post-match podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access to the WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Uh, right, part one, we're going to discuss the 2-0 defeat to Newcastle. Part two, got an article from The Athletic. Part three is questions. Part four, West Brom preview. Um, Kevin, for my notes, part one, mm. I've just got in massive capital letters, massive sigh. Mm-hmm. That's the, how I um, feel after this second defeat in a week. How do you feel? I believe the article from The Athletic is also about the 2-0 defeat to Newcastle <laughs> as well, isn't it? Yeah. Just so we know. Um, I, I felt like... It, this has happened before, season after season. It felt like the Leeds game had never happened. It felt like we all went a little bit crazy on the pod after the Leeds game and, and you know, we, we did all the jokes about turning the corner and yada, yada, yada. And then suddenly two games in a row where you, you kind of knew what you were going to get away at Burnley. You, you, you kind of knew how that game was going to pan out. But you, we all, I think we all thought that at home to Newcastle, we'll, st- we'll do what we did against Leeds. We'll, we'll, we'll blow this team away, this mediocre just no goals in them. Newcastle United were there for the taking, and just right from the start, that I think an hour before the kickoff with the team sheets came out, I think you could hear everybody all over South London going, "What the f- is this about?" And then, and I went for a walk with John Curran on Streatham Common yesterday. And he made a really good point. He said, "You can tell within thirty seconds of kickoff whether Palace are going to win or lose the game, and it's basically." <laughs> It's basically what Van Arnold does when the ball gets to Van Arnold. If he if he knocks it ahead of him and chases after you, thinking, yeah, we're going to win this game. If he did what I think he did the other night, it just sort of holds it, knocks it about a little bit. And it's just right from the start. It just it was wrong, and I don't. If if we hadn't had that Leeds game, if the Leeds game had been nil nil, you'd go, yeah, fine. We've got thirteen points. That's better than we've had every other season except two. But it's just after the promise of that particular game. Just the baffling team selection and the baffling way we played. And then even when we started going for it much earlier than everybody thought we were, still didn't look like scoring in particular. And we lost at home to... A, and it's one of those things where I think if the fans had been in, they would have been so angry after 10 or 15 minutes, they'd have had to do something earlier, to be perfectly honest. And I, I, I don't know. It would take a better psychologist than I am to work out just how having no fans affects the physical efforts of a football player, but clearly nothing was affecting them on uh, on Friday night. It was so disappointing. Yeah, that uh, that point about the no fans in is, we have talked about it before on the podcast, it is interesting. I think it's something we won't know until fans start coming, which they might do next home game, home to mm. Spurs. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Chloe, what were your thoughts when the teams were announced? It was a schlup up front with IU, Kiate back in the middle, um, Cahill in at the back, clearly gambles that didn't pay off for Hodgson but what were your thoughts at the time well I felt like he was sort of trying to replicate replicate the team that we would play if Wilf was there so Schluck was sort of playing a Wilf role but I don't know why he felt the need to do that because 
that's not that I feel like that's more sort of the four four two is out of necessity rather than it being out of the best formation sort of so I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. I, I basically think that he didn't play the formation that suited the players that we had available to us. Yeah. So, mm. and, and I would have played Gyro in the middle there because, you know, Kuate sort of runs around and and you know defends pretty well, and he he makes some runs into to the box and gets on the end of, of things sometimes. But what we were really lacking was a composed guy in the middle of the pitch that can put his foot on the ball and make a pass. And Gyro can do that. And I don't think he's the answer to all of our questions. I don't think we need to put, we don't need to burden him and put all the weight on the sh- on his shoulders the way we have earlier in this season where he's played really well. But he does offer us that. Um, I would have probably played sort of like, um, like a 4-5-1 defensively and a 4-3-3 offensively rather than that 4-4-2. Um, I just don't know why he tried to do that. And, and particularly if you want to play the 4-4-2, you've got... Two Belgian internationals sat on the bench, yeah. Christian Benteke and Michi Bachwai, who are surely much more suited to play that four four two. You got a big guy, you got a small nippy guy. It's it's a tale as old as time. Just go with that. It it was very strange to me. Yeah, well, you'd say. I mean, speaking of tale of old as time, that basically could describe describe Roy's. Uh, managerial career and so you'd think maybe he'd go with that and and I mean Gyro very unlucky to miss out having played very well in the last um, few games Travis I mean I can sort of see the schluppy thing because he played very well at Burnley when he came on and offered a bit of thrust from the middle so maybe Roy was rewarding him with that uh, and Ben Teke actually has looked okay in recent years batch wide hasn't quite looked on so maybe it was a reward for that but I've got a question on sort of Roy's tinkering for you from Carl Mortimer uh, who does our social uh, stuff at Top Man Carl says um, for a manager as organised as Roy he seems to be altering his team an awful lot does he actually know his strongest team what do you think Trav? I mean, the strongest team has, has Wolf in the starting lineup, and as soon as he's not there, it does seem like you're trying to be inventive the whole time, and he's trying to figure things out. When I saw the lineup the other day, the thing that you can kind of, when players come in and out, you can look at a lineup and generally figure it out. We're going to do this or we're going to do that. And you looked at that lineup the other day, and like, everyone had different ideas about, oh, this player's going to play there, yeah. that player's going to play there. And when it actually came into it, Eze was far further out wide than I thought he was going to be. I did think he was going to play Schlupp out there and keep Eze in the middle, and I thought that that was going to be his game plan. Seeing how well he played against Leeds at home, I thought he might just stick him in the middle, seeing as Wolf's not there, and let him be the guy to kind of control things a little bit. But he just seemed to be lost out on the wing a little bit. Schlupp was, wasn't linking much between the midfield and the attack. There wasn't. He just seemed a little bit lost at points. There was no there was no link up between the midfield and the defence, especially in the second half. The amount of balls going across the back line and you're just, just crying for someone mm. to drop drop deep mm. in there. And I think it should have been Gyro from the start because when he did come on, picked up the ball, dropped in between, in between the two centre-backs, forward passes the whole time. And I think when we are playing like that, we need to dominate the ball in and around the opposition's box and have possession in that way rather than play like we did, which looked like we were relying on a Wilf counter-attack or a bit of magic from him. And it just it, it just looked a bit lost. It looked like they'd forgotten a game was on. It was like, oh, oh God, we've got a game today. Oh, who's available? Who's picking up the phone this morning? It, it, and it felt like they'd all just walked out of bed as well, to be honest. It didn't feel like there was an actual game of football there going on for the majority of the game. It was 
yeah, it was very tedious to watch and very boring. Travis and Chloe make really important points. First of all, on the selection, if you remember when the team came out, Andy Street on the WhatsApp group said, "This is that's the best bench we've ever had probably in the Premier League, certainly in the last mm. three years. But, there was a few but, tweets about but that, that well. But that only makes sense if they're still not as good as the players at start. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, that's a brilliant bench. And it's a brilliant bench because they're, they're the, four of those players should have started the game. And But Chloe, I think, is the most important thing. The four, four, it, It's quite clear to me, I think, that Rory wants to play 4-4-2, but thinks he'll get criticised for playing 4-4-2. So he plays a sort of 4-4-2. He sort of tinkers around the edges of 4-4-2. And I just think, if you're going to play 4-4-2, play 4-4-2, I don't mind. But it's got to be Ben Teke and Batshuayi. If you're going to play mm. a 4-4-2, play a proper 4-4-2, because Newcastle wouldn't have expected it. And whatever you say about Ben Teke, it, things happen when he... It, it just makes life so much harder for the two central defenders when he comes on. is not a target man. He's not a winger. He's a goal scorer. He plays off a target man normally. Mm. As, as Chloe says, they're both, they both they can communicate in Flemish if you want and confuse the two centre backs. It's, that's fine, but <laughs> just play the. But it's like Roy has been told. No, it's too. It's the dinosaur formation. You can't play four four two. Maybe Newcastle were the only other team would even try it. But it's just, it just do it if you're going to do it because he's he, he seems to be second guessing himself all the time because we we can't work out what's what's going on. I couldn't see the. I didn't think that either of the centre backs in previous games had played badly enough for Cahill to come straight back in. That didn't make any logic. And then why do you accommodate Kiyati? It's almost like, oh, Kiyati's going to be upset if he's not playing, so I'll, I'll disrupt the central midfield player that's been playing all right <laughs> and put him in there for no apparent reason. And then I've got two of the best strikers in continental football who regularly start for Belgium on the bench, so I'll upset them by putting Jeffrey Slup yeah, basically, utility man at centre forward, and it's like there's what there's no logic to any of it, and it's almost laughable when the team came out. So we're trying to work out what it was. As Travis says, you're trying to work out how it's going to kick off, and even when it does kick off, you can't. You're still trying to work it out. Trying, yeah, but it seemed like the, as Travis said, it seemed like the players were trying to work it out as well. There was, there was no real rhyme or reason to, to the system we're trying. And what's what's frustrating about that is when you look at you know I hate to say it, you look at Brighton right now. Sometimes Brighton are going to lose games. But they play their style of football. And against Liverpool, it very nearly works. Better teams will beat them, but but the players are happy. Leeds will get beaten by teams like us because they, they play that one style of football. But when it works, it works. But it's like when Pulis was manager, when Allardyce was manager, you go, oh, Christ, do we know what we're going to get? But we knew what we were going to get. We knew the sort of football Pulis and Allardyce played. We don't know from week to week what Hodgson's philosophy or his, his theory of football is. And I don't think he knows anymore. That's a frustrating thing. So what would you guys, because I mean, this has been, that's basically been the crux of the chat in a lot of the WhatsApp groups at the moment, and everyone's, we've got questions in part two, will be about Roy and his future, and, and, and people, I've never heard the phrase Roy Ball so much as I have this week in WhatsApp groups, but how would you, the three of you feel then, if Roy suddenly did play a really expansive way, but it did put our jeopardy, oh sorry, it did put our status in the Premier League at more of a jeopardy than it does under Roy, would, would you be happier with sort of heightened anxiety, but better football as opposed to the Roy slash Pulis slash Allardyce approach of po- respect the point, defensive first, and, and see what else I happens. Sorry, Well, I was just going to say, like, I think we we go for this like philosophy of like you're either really defensive or you're expansive. I don't yeah. think Pulis and Allardyce were either. Well, they they were very well organised and very defensive, but like that Allardyce season, like, was some of the best. Football I've watched at Palace yeah. in the Premier League, and I really enjoyed it. And it, we weren't necessarily expansive, but we would do exciting, explosive things in a game whilst also being really mm. 
organised. It's, it's like you need moments in a game. You need moments that get you up out of your seat going, yes, come on. Whereas we're not getting that anymore. Like, I, I feel completely disillusioned. Like, I won't fall 14-year-old boy and kick to table when Joe Linton's going in. <laughs> and, and, like, it's just not fun. And, and I think it comes from the fact that Roy doesn't know how to play this collection of players we've got in the best way, whereas Pulis and Allardyce were masters at getting a lot out of not much. Yeah. But whatever, whatever way we play, though, we, we've got... I don't think you can argue that the squad now is, isn't better than the ones that Allardyce had, for example. So whatever way you play... And you shouldn't really be playing the same way week in and week out. You should adapt to different opposition. But whatever way we play, we shouldn't be losing 2-0 at home to Newcastle. It's just, it's in the style, in the manner in, we did the, as well. In, as Travis says, in the manner we did. It's similar. If we battered Newcastle for 89 minutes and had 25 chances and the keeper had made save off to save, you'd go, well, that wasn't fair. But we didn't. And it, you know, no, no team, neither team deserved to win that. They're as poor as we were. But the fact is, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be losing like that at home to Newcastle. And it's not... It's not a result that's unexpected year in year out under Hodgson. That's that's the problem. So we have, I mean, we have on this podcast praised Roy in the past, and you know, with merit yeah. for getting the best out of his players at times. And, and you know, he, he has he has taken squads that aren't as good as this and, and done well with them. So, so Travis, is it is it a recruitment slash options problem? You know, without Wilf in that team, we suddenly don't quite have the thr- the thrust that we do when he's in there. So, is it? Is it I, a lack I of think options? There, there can easily be a thrust in the team without Wilf there, but it was completely lost the other day. We, last season, we had a, a few games of injured, but we picked up a point or so here and there. Yeah. And just we, it, when you mentioned earlier about would you like to play a more expansive style of football, I just like to play a, a style of football, any style. <laughs> moment, just have just being able to watch it and knowing knowing what's going on, and just being able to see right this this is what we're doing today. You can it, you, you couldn't work anything out, and that was. That was the most frustrating part of it, and with with the players, it seems like there is the the uh, Roy's done the job with this set of players, and he's brought uh, there's there's a few in there that he's brought in as well. We got Batshuayi in there this season. It, it there could have easily been a job done um, on the weekend against Newcastle, but it just like you said, it was just it it was blatantly obvious uh, the walk of the park yard with um, John Kev. It was blatantly obvious from the start, the first thirty seconds, how it was going to pan out. And I remember when I was sitting down watching it with my mate and got the second half. And when that, when that second goal that they had, when we lost the ball on the edge of the box, I turned around to him and I said, this is going to go in. And the way, it, the way it happened, it was just, it just summed up the game, that second goal, the way the ball just fell through to, it was Joe Linton that scored. I mean, if you want Ben Teke to score a goal, we can play him against us. And he, might, <laughs> he might end up picking one up. But it did. You, you, it, the fact that that little, it broke on the edge of the box. And I looked at him and I thought, this, this is going to end up in the back of the net. And to have that lack of confidence or faith and just, just the lack of organisation of it, it was just quite, it was quite confusing. It yeah. was generally quite confusing because it just, it felt really out of character. There's been games where we played badly this season, but we've still, there's still been an idea of what, what's going on. It just didn't work. But there was just, it, it was, <laughs> I don't know, I really actually don't know what to say J- about it. <laughs> JD's point about recruitment, and I think at this stage for those people out there, who are fans of Adam Sells, and there are many of them, I think we should challenge our inner Selsy and say, you know, if we'd won either one of those games, we'd be comfortably mid-table, 16 points, we'd be, we'd be happy. We'd go, yeah, it's a shame we lost to Burnley or Newcastle. We'd beat Newcastle and Burnley, that's fine. But 
we didn't, and it's not all those people who say, "Well, we're, yeah, we're pallets. Where do you think we should be? We, should, you know, survival is." And I've often said that myself. That the important thing is staying in the Premier League. But there, there comes a time when we shouldn't be playing as though it's our first season in the Premier League. There comes a time when we should be watching games, switching the telly on, or going to Sellers Park, thinking, "Yeah, we'll win this game," and we do win it. And it's like, my big bugbear at the moment. Who's a better footballer? That's Troy or are you? That's right. An out-and-out striker goal scorer. I, 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 I don't think anybody would argue. I don't think there were any Palace fans. Andy Street maybe would argue that Ayu was a better player, but only if he's paying 600 quid an hour in a courtroom, he'd argue anything <laughs> for that sort of money. But Batshuayi's not a better player than Ayu. And I don't I don't understand the logic of Batshuayi. If, if, as people were saying, oh, Batshuayi wasn't firing more cylinders at Chelsea, then why did we bring him in? Right? And if we bring him in and he's a proven international who scores goals for Belgium, why isn't he playing? Why aren't we working out a way to get Batshuayi in the team and to get him balls in the box where we know he can score? Instead, he's sitting on the bench as part of the best bench we've had in the Premier League. We that figured it out when he, he came on loan the other season. Yeah. We figured it out for that after season. Yeah, of course. He, he bagged a few. And I don't know how it just seems to be completely lost to him this time. Yeah. But we have Ruben Loftus-Cheek then, who's a quality yeah. player. Yeah, and like I, I really do think we're missing a Ruben type, who, who's someone that can carry the ball mid- through midfield and just shake players off him. And yeah. I don't think we've got that in Eze yet. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not writing Eze off. It's really early days for him. He's a new player. To, he's a new player to the Premier League. But what he does is John was saying it in the WhatsApp group, and I completely agree with him that he just slowed the game down. He he wanted he wanted the game to be like a, a championship tempo. So that he could take multiple yeah. touches and then pick out the killer yeah. pass. But the killer pass just isn't there because you're against this really well-drilled defensive Premier League team. And and there's just no one... like the, I, I was looking at some stats sort of about Palace uh, and about this game. And one of them that I came across was um, we've lost the last seven games where we've had more than 50% of possession. Wow. And I think that's super telling mm. that... Uh, we don't have a player like Johan Kabay or like Ruben Loftus-Cheek yeah. that can unlock a killer pass or carry the ball through midfield and do something special. Um, and that's why I don't think Batshuayi is... I don't think we can blame Batshuayi. Batshuayi yeah. is a killer finisher. I think if you put him up there with Benteke, they'll probably bring a lot better out of each other. Yeah. Um, we're just not maximising what we've got. I think, I think as a... I think he's a brilliant buyer, is he? And I think he's going to be a really good player for us. But I don't think Roy knows where he wants to... I think in an ideal world, Roy would only be playing in one every two or three games. And I don't think, for all that you know, Roy says Eze likes to play on the left side of a defensive midfield four, it's like, he's, he hasn't played in the same position two games running, basically. And it's fine for QPR fans to say about him, in a, you know, he can play as a 10, he can play left wing, he can play as a nine if you want, he can play as uh, all sorts of... He, he can in the Championship, that's fine. But this is the Premier League, and even teams like Newcastle, who are, who are frankly mediocre, are still able to defend against mm. world-class forwards, let alone Eze. And Eze hasn't had... I, I, as I said, I generally think Roy wouldn't have played him as much as he as he needed to. I don't think if Sahar was available, Eze would have played the last two games. And I suspect Eze won't start against against West Brom. I think I think Roy would want him to have a season of just sort of being in and out, finding his way in the in the Premier League and working his way up to the strength and the pace that you need. And but you know, my worry is that there there will be Palace fans who quite rightly start to get on his back and go, hang on a second, what's because there's been so much expectation on him 
everybody go, you know, he scored a brilliant free kick and everyone goes, oh, yeah, we're great. We've got a Premier League player. We've got a Kabai. And we haven't. Yeah. No, I, I hope I hope not. I hope, and I don't. I haven't seen that happen anywhere yet, and I really don't hope it doesn't because Eze is a young player who needs time to develop. But we said on the pod last week, he's clearly showing the ability that he can make it at this level. But young players need time to develop. And 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 on Batshuayi and Benteke, if we did start giving them both a run in the team, it would be the same thing because you know, can you imagine what happened if we played them for three, four, five games mm. and they didn't score goals? Everyone would be saying, get rid of them. They would need time as well, and I mean the fact that we ended the game with James MacArthur on right mid also proves that we still we still do lack options in certain areas. You know, we lack an option a, a backup for Townsend when it's not working, which it hasn't done the last couple of games. Um, well, James MacArthur, ninety uh, percent of my conversation with John Curran was about James MacArthur. Uh, yeah. Not in a good way, no. basically, because well, MacArthur, God love him, and we 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 love James MacArthur because he was really great when he came on the pod, and he was funny. <laughs> no, we love yeah, him he has been a good player, but no, he has, been, he has been a good player. He still is a good player, but James MacArthur should be a squad. There's, and there's no disrespect in this whatsoever. We should have reached the stage by now, two or three seasons ago. James MacArthur was first name on the team sheet for a season, without a doubt. But but now he should be a squad player. He should be part of our squad. He should be. If we've got injuries, we should be going. That's fine. We've got MacArthur to come in, because it's hard to pinpoint. Well, he's not a game changer anymore. You know, and he's I, he's not better than other options. It's 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 like no, no, I, I, generally not disrespect. If we want to improve season on season, then the James MacArthur's the sort of player that shouldn't be starting every game. Just as Joel, you know, the same as Joel Ward. Joel Ward's been a brilliant player for Palace, but it's right that he's not starting every game now. But it also is a brilliant. But this, this is my point. We don't have don't sort of have really have a, enough. We have we have better yeah. options definitely, but I still don't think we have enough in certain areas but, for when games aren't I, going our way that, that we can really rely on someone off the bench. But, but the thing is, like with them, we'll probably like still get away with it, and that's why, mm. like. We can get away with it, so the the hierarchy don't want to invest loads of money because we can just exactly like, survive yeah. quite comfortably with James McArthur and Joel Ward. It's just not very interesting or exciting. And don't get me wrong, I love, exactly. I love those two players exactly. Yeah. And the only and the only way that will change is if Palace get dragged into a relegation battle where they are third third bottom at Christmas, then they will invest. Yeah, and we will get more options. But we know that won't happen, yeah. Roy. We're in a weird paradox where we're going to be fine, but we're also not going to be fine, and we're going to hate it, but also quite like it at the same time. Much like my comedy. We're, we're, we're um, all going to be fine, on. but it's, it's, it's like previous seasons. We're going to be fine by default. We're going to be fine because out of West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, th- there will be two teams, three teams that finish below us because we will still pick up wins. We're still in a better position than we normally are. But that's not good enough in our eighth season in the Premier League. No, I agree. It comes, it's it's a conversation we've had in for every season since we've been in the Premier League. We, we're just not seeing that real year-on-year improvement. And like Chloe says, it comes a time when it's just like it isn't enough. I'm bored with just staying in the Premier League now, and I'm the one in the past who said no, that's enough. It's fine. It's just like, and I, I think it, it's general. When, yeah, when Celeste is full again. We're going to be going for the very first game. We'll have the first five minutes of this is fantastic. We're back in Sellers, and then it'll be, oh, Jesus, we're playing exactly the same as we played <laughs> before we went into lockdown. And then we're paying a lot of money for season tickets, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. But that's that's why for me it still becomes a recruitment issue. Those players yeah. should have been bought. And we, with Eze, we're heading in that right direction. But I don't think, unfortunately, we're going to see those kind of signings or an abundance of them anytime soon. But. 
Who knows? Maybe we'll get dragged into relegation battle when we will. Um, really quickly at the end of part one, I've got a question here from Ron Glib. <laughs> Hi, Ron. And I'll, uh, Chloe, I'll come to you for this one because this is um, something I hadn't really noticed recently until this question came in. But it's about our defence. He says, has the good defence slash defenders myth been busted by not playing three defensive midfielders? I suspect Ron is... <laughs> Taking a mick a little bit, but it, we haven't kept a clean sheet since the first game of this season, uh, and I think we all kind of assumed wow. that Roy teams. Well, that, that was the basis of the success, wasn't it? Are we starting to worry about that now? Yeah, a little, I suppose. I think the thing that's most worrying is um, in that Burnley game when we conceded early. Like we looked all over the place and absolutely panicked. And I'm I what Kev said earlier. I disagree. I think Cahill walks into that starting eleven because I think he's by far the best defender we've got. And he has composure and he bosses everyone around and tells them where to be. Yeah, I think I think we should be worried, but I think I think as a more general rule, I think if he sorted out the structure of the team as a composite whole, I think that that would sort of inform the the defence because at the moment it just feels like we're in games for quite a long time. We can't break teams down and then we just get sloppy and give something away. It doesn't feel like an endemic problem. It feels like sloppiness. And another fact I think I remember hearing during the game that us and Newcastle were the teams that have conceded the most goals in the last 15 minutes as well. And then again, another yeah. two got added on the weekend. Yeah. So that's, if you kind of lose it at the end. The concentration's not there for the whole game, it feels like. <clears throat> it's, well, that, that, that's that. I, I hadn't realised that we'd only kept one clean sheet, and that's that's actually really really worrying because that means we have to score at least two goals to win any game we play in. Which is, apart from when we went mad against Leeds, two goals is a lot for us to score in any in any game to win. So that is a worrying stat. Actually, I hadn't realised that. It is. Um, let's end part one on that cheerful note um, <laughs> as we worry about <laughs> Palace's defence. Um, in part two, we've got an article from the Athletic. So join us after this. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey, hey. Pod three sixty one, and uh, this week we are supported by the Athletic. Uh, they're a world class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Subscription based website and app, completely ad free, no ads, no pop ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. It's really the home of football writing now. It's not new, it is anymore. Anyway, um, and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash fyp, you can start a subscription for just one pound a month. Um, so that is decent. Get on that. Um, basically, it's pretty much Palace's budget for January. Um, this week's article is by Matt Woosnam, uh, and it's about it's about Roy and those changes. It's called Roy appears to be damned if he does, and damned if he doesn't. Uh, doesn't damned if he doesn't. <laughs> I went all rap there for a minute, um, and he talks about 
Roy actually doing a very un-Roy thing, Kevin, which was making those two late chain striker changes. And they weren't even late, actually, quite early in the second mm. half for him. Um, and obviously the team got stretched and, and we uh, conceded goals. So, um, yeah, it wasn't great. And there's a bit later on where Matt says, this team is not full of players who can play with attacking flair. This team is not full of players who can play with attacking flair and defensive stability. It is also one that has remained relatively unchanged since Hodgson arrived in 2017 and has aged in that time. Naturally, that brings with it a decline in performances and capabilities. The January transfer window will not see an influx of new faces, but Palace will be looking to bring in younger players to reduce the age of the squad and provide fresh impetus. The problem is, where do Palace go from here? Even if you do concede the point that the manager needs to be replaced, who do you bring in? The takeover appearing imminent at Burnley, would Sean Dyche really jump ship and leave the club to which he has given so much languishing in the relegation zone? Another candidate, Eddie Howe, is less than six months into a break in the game. In his appearance as a pundit on Sky Sports for Palace's defeat at Burnley, Howe appeared to be re- still recovering from the wounds of suffering relegation from the Premier League with Bournemouth. Kevin, as you can imagine, most weeks after Palace lose, we get questions from people asking... What do we do with Roy? I'm going to put this one to you in the context of Matt's article from at Sarif underscore John. Yes, sir. He says, what does life after Roy look like? I don't, I don't want Roy to go. I don't think Steve Parrish wants to be the man who ends Roy's career. I think he's still a capable manager. I'm reaching an age as well where... I worry about people criticising people just for being old. I think, you know, he's still a very experienced manager. I'm not entirely sure I agree with Matt. It's a very good article, as always. But this idea that we're, A, that we haven't got any flair players, I think I think we have. I think we've got three or four flair players. I just don't think that they're being allowed off the hook, uh, off the leash, rather, often enough. The idea that we're making the squad younger, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think Roy's particularly... Keen on that. I don't. I'm not convinced that if Ferguson is back to fitness, that we will see Mitchell and Ferguson at fullback. I don't think that's the way Roy operates. I think if I think Van Arnold and Nathaniel Klein will be his, would be his preferred first choice, unless Steve Parrish tells him tells him otherwise. Um, the frustration with Roy is, and there will always be people, you know, and it's. It's been trotted out, you know, ex-Liverpool players this week have been having a go at him. They've dug up a couple of ex-Inter players to to have a go at him. But if you talk to Fulham players or Switzerland players, clubs at a level where Roy operates very efficiently, they, they've got a lot of time for him. The frustration is with Roy is that we keep getting glimpses of a style of football. Like Leeds, for 90 minutes against Leeds, we were the, we were the better side. And we talked about Roy outwitting... The, the Bielsa, you know, the the favourite manager of the British press. It's just my, I just can't understand why we can't do that on a week to week basis. And that's when you say, is it to do with fitness? Is it to do with the players? Is it to do with the changes he makes? Is it to do with? He just seems the older he gets, the more uncertain he seems. Is, is my is my worry, and I don't think that's to do with his. I think that's also a lot to do with not playing in front of the crowd. I think it's a lot to do at the moment with the fact that we've got 13 points on the board, so maybe they've all taken their foot off the accelerator a little bit. It's a lot to do with the fact that Wilf isn't playing, but again, that's a failure of management. If we've reached that situation where, and our record without Wilf is, is terrible. I know there's Travis here, we picked up a few points last season when he was out for a while, but our record without him is woeful compared to our record with him, and that's a failure of management without a doubt. So, what we have with Roy, I think, is a very, very good manager that I don't particularly want to lose. 
but one that's kind of not firing on all cylinders at the moment. And as as for replacement, I think Eddie, I don't see why Sean, Simon Jordan, uh, Simon Jordan, Steve Parrish, Simon Jordan might bring Sean Dyche in because he's an idiot. But Steve, I don't, I don't see why. You know, Steve, Steve Parrish will eventually succumb to fan pressure because he likes to be liked, right? But why would he bring in essentially the ginger version of Roy Hodgson? It's, he'll bring in he'll bring in the, the other ginger. Eddie Howe seems to me the only logical. We're not going to touch a continental manager again for for generations because of what happened with De Boer. Mm. I think for all that Eddie Howe might need another season off, he seems to be the most likely next manager of Palace. But I think it will be Roy who decides when he, he leaves Palace, not not Steve Parrish. Because things, the things, the things at the moment, things aren't bad enough for him to. You know, the, the, the league table looks is annoying, but we're only a point off. <laughs> Upper mid table rather than lower mid table. We're only three well, points off six or seven. So yeah, we are actually we're not, closer to top four. Yeah, we're not. There's we no. Three. There's no panic. I don't think, and I don't think Steve Parrish will even be considering changing. Well, the, the, the big fifth worry for me is there's no one. Other clubs, you'd look at. Yeah, they they'd say, well, we've got two or three good coaches. Maybe one of them could step up. We haven't got that at Palace. Yeah, the the foreign manager thing is interesting. I think you're absolutely right. We've had our fingers burned so badly by Frank, but I think there probably are better options in the Bundesliga or places like that. Pro- you know, you look at Ralph Hasenhutl coming over to Southampton. It'd be nice if we could find the next Ralph Hasenhutl. I feel like I'm saying his name wrong. Um, and the thing is, Chloe... Well, also, we- no, no one was saying that when they lost 9-0 at home to... Well, no, and not many season, clubs. So. I, don't, I don't know if we would have stuck with the manager that lost no. 9-0, to be honest, and that is full credit to Saints. I mean, Kevin makes a good point there, Chloe, that we know that Roy likes experienced, reliable players. Um, but at what point does that directly clash with the identity that is Crystal Palace, that is basically the, the opposite? We want to bring in young players and be proud of this acad- new, new academy and the new academy grounds that we're building. At what point does that, those ideologies clash too much for both parties? I mean, I think you've probably answered the question in the question. <laughs> it, That's it, what I do. It just clashes, yeah. like... I, I, I think we're getting a little little bit well I'm getting a little bit broken recordy here certainly it's just the same thing of he, I, I don't know why he's so bound to this experience because mm. like the experience isn't is making mistakes schoolboy mistakes so why not let schoolboys make schoolboy <laughs> mistakes <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know what I mean like just your your lack of risk isn't working, so take some risks and mm. see if that works. Yeah. It, it's really counterintuitive, and I think that that is is what sums up everything we said in part one. Is we just can't understand it. We're just baffled. Mm. There's no consistency. There's no. I, I can't get inside the head of Roy Hodgson. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, and with with the bench I, you have as well, you, you, it was crying out for to take a few risks and see see what you can do with, with what's yeah. available to you. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of people out there that go back to the the Padre and they go, I'd rather lose 5-4 to Southampton and have an exciting game than lose it in the last minute against Newcastle. Maybe not that bad, you know. <laughs> but like like I said, you, you would rather lose a game like that trying to switch it up and play something, more, be a bit more exciting than be a bit boring and trying to be safe and it's still having absolutely no effect to bringing the same results I, I it's just a frustration to, to, sorry I suspect that the reason he likes who would rather have the older players making schoolboy errors is that the older players can handle the pressure after they make them whereas mm. the younger players 
will struggle more. Although I get your point, Chloe. They have to make them at some point, and they have to learn because that's. I, I part think of the there's process. less pressure. I, Palace fans have always been very forgiving. We always love a player that comes through our youth ranks, and I think the fans are more forgiving of youngsters who make mistakes. I mean, the pundits might might jump on them, but. They have to make those mistakes at that level. Then, I mean, Roy's not the only manager. I mean, Pardew and uh, Allardyce and Punis spoke openly about the fact they'd rather not play youngsters, certainly in, in a relegation battle. So Roy's not the only one who thinks like that. But, yeah, you have to, much as I have talked about my dislike of ageism, when it's 50, <laughs> yeah, but when, when Roy's in the dressing room, yeah, he, he probably doesn't want players in there that are 54 years younger than him. Because it's much harder for him to communicate with with player. That you know, it's 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 as simple as that. And it's you know, the, the fact is as well that people like Klein and Van Arnholt might see in Roy a very experienced manager. Tyreek Mitchell would see some old bloke in the corner who's bumbling on about tramps. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So there, there, there comes a time when that does make. <laughs> but there, come, there does come a time when that that becomes a. A, a thing, do you know what I mean? And, and again, I don't, I don't want Roy Hodgson to go. I just want us to play better football under Roy Hodgson as a manager, or not, not but, you know, winning football. Yeah. You know. And again, I've had so many tweets with people like Northampton fan go, oh, yeah, you want to try to be a Northampton fan? It's not. Like, oh, no, I don't. But I, <laughs> I, but I think it's perfectly, I'm perfectly justified to voice my frustration and my criticism when the team that you love can't put two performances together especially when they tease you with that Leeds performance and then <laughs> suddenly revert back to, to type it's yeah. I think um the, the the point that I just wanted to make quickly is that the sort of the main thrust of Matt Woosnam's article is that um he tried to be I, I think it's that he he tried to sort of like be organised and defensive, and then he made these attacking changes quite early in the 60th minute, and the attacking changes didn't work even though we'd been crying out for them. But I think the point that I would make is the attacking changes felt very reactive, Mm. and like he was throwing on players to try and get a result from a cagey game. Whereas if you spend your whole week working on that formation that includes those attacking players, that's very, very different to yeah. throwing them on to, to try and get something from a game. So, yeah, there, there wasn't much method to his... Well, madness would have been fun. There wasn't much <laughs> method to, to his boringness, let's say. Um, yeah, which actually is a bit yeah. on Roy, isn't it? Because there normally is yeah. method to Roy's, and that's obviously why he's been so successful in so many different places. Um, let me just end this part then before we get on to more questions with a question from Robin Say. Hi, Robin. And he pretty much sort Hi, of says what we've, what we've said before. Weren't a lot of fans asking for a more attacking formation from Roy. It looked like Roy did that in the second half against Newcastle with some lackluster finishing stopped us from taking at least a point, if not all three. He then goes on to ask a question about Andros Townsend. Maybe we'll come to him part three. Should we rest Andros for a few games given his recent passing struggles? Or do you think he'll quickly come good through it by playing and then he rounds off by saying P.S. it's my birthday today oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday. Yeah. So happy birthday let's deal, with, let's deal with Robbie's birthday and leave the questions till later <laughs> 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 happy birthday Robin and thanks for getting happy birthday, Robin. Um, you can happy read uh, that article by Matt Wisnum, um at The Athletic and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP you can start a subscription for just £1 a month um, after the break more questions It's 
time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Friday Plan Podcast. Hey, happy birthday, Robin. Happy birthday, the Robin <laughs> birthday Sorry, we didn't ask special. you a question. Ray. Who knows? We might. Who knows what's going to happen in part three, Kevin? We don't even know what's going to happen. Um, actually, I do. I've literally got notes in front of me. Um, question. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, again, is very much unlike me. Um, this one's from Paulie Mantel. Hi, Paulie. Hi, Paulie. Kevin, I think you know. I should probably stop reading these ones out, but I think you know where it's going. Paulie says, how far off are we from approaching the next corner? In order, to, in order to turn that corner. <laughs> well, it felt like we. I think we decided, didn't we, after the Leeds game, that we had turned a corner, and now Roy's decided he doesn't like the view on this street, so we've gone back round the corner, and we're looking for a different corner to turn that one. So yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, poorly sums up the frustration, isn't it? Because we do. We think we think we've we've made a breakthrough, and then we we clearly haven't. I think do you know. I, I just think that during the interval, we should probably answer Robin's questions because Andros is one of those. No, but Andros okay, is okay. one of those ones we all dance around because, again, we like his dad, and Andros is a decent bloke, and we. He, he's he's one of those players we're really reluctant to criticise, but he's not having his best spell as a as a Palace player. But the thing at, is, at the thing moment, is... And, and we have and we and we do have other options, but again, it's. Roy clearly trusts him so much, as we all do. I mean, he's a brilliant Palace player. He will go down as one of, the, you know, one of the great Palace players of the last few years. But at the moment, he's not firing on all cylinders. And Roy seems to think that the best way of coping with that is to keep him out there visibly, not firing on all cylinders. And also the thing is, without, he changes everything around Andros, but not Andros. So you're asking Andros to do a difficult thing every week. You're asking Andros to change with a different, to a different style of play every week so it's no wonder he's not quite playing the way we know he can do yeah it's a weird one because for the first four or five six weeks of the season he was having a very good season he was was one of the few players that was really consistent scored a goal up Old Trafford set up the goal for Wilf in the first game looked like he'd hit the ground running I don't quite know what's happened and the weird thing Chloe that happened uh, was it against Newcastle or Burnley I think it was Newcastle was that he brought on Benteke and then took off Townsend and I think we all know that Benteke's strength is in the air yeah. Townsend mm. is one of the players in our squad that can deliver a ball so that yeah. felt like mm. a, that sort of goes to your point about the reactionary thing that felt a bit like or if that was planned surely you'd have Townsend on whipping them in into Benteke mm. and Benteke did have that one header yeah, from PVA but it felt that felt a bit yeah, weird that's what I was going to say like that that uh, cross where PVA whipped it on, onto the head of Benteke and he put a um, he put a good header in and, and Darlow saved it. But it it felt like a throwback to the Allardyce years where yeah. uh, Benteke got, got most of his goals for us, um, where he just played, you know, Andros on the wing, Wilf on the wing, and it was just whipping crosses in and Benteke was getting on the end of them and causing a nuisance. Um, so, yeah, again, we're just saying the same thing again, that there's no consistency to what Roy's done. There's no joined-up thinking. Um, Travis, actually, Kevin, I'm going to do something I 
don't do with you very often. I'm going to disagree with one of your points. Um, and I'd <laughs> like to thank Kevin for his duty on the podcast last few years. And um, that's that. Um, which is, the, um, <laughs> I don't know if there are other options, Travis, for Andros on the right there. The only one I can think of is you possibly move Eze out there and put Schlappi on the left. But I think Eze works better with PVA out there. I'm not, and again, it goes to the point of, about James McArthur playing there in the last game. I'm not sure we do have the options. Maybe that is a reason why Andros is still getting picked week in, week out. It feels in midfield, we've just got a massive overload of central midfielders. And when we lose a player on out wide, we compensate. I think Ayu played a few times out wide loss. I, I would put Ayu out there over, over Eze. I would have kept Eze in the middle. I would put Schlupp out wide over Eze. I think there are players that can, that can fill the role. Townsend... He had a good start season. Last season wasn't great, and he's not he's not Wilf. And as soon as you've lost Wilf, Townsend becomes completely well not useless, but he's he, he he plays well when there's there's other things going on around him because he's because because he has got a lot of quality but isn't standout. He um he can almost take teams by surprise sometimes. It's like forgot forgot he could do that. Um, and when Wilf isn't there, you lose it, and there's no other players in the team at the moment that can. Help, help, kind of share share the weight of what he's trying to do. Um, but you know, he he had a good start to the season. I don't think he's as good as a player as he was in the first season when he joined. It's he hasn't hit those heights again. I don't think, and d- didn't play for large parts of last season. But I'm, mm. I yeah, I think he, yeah, the, the few games at the beginning of this season has kind of given us a false belief that he's a, a better player than he actually is, and it's gone to show with Wilf not in the team that it's. He's struggling to he's struggling to stand out, and and he he would he would be a lot better like Chloe said if you had a Benteke in the middle, so he's putting in crosses and getting, getting assists. If you, if you've got a player whose quality whose qualities are dead balls and crossing the ball into the box and getting out wide, doing that infamous step over he loves to do, getting out and chipping one in, then you've got to have the players around him that are going to allow that to work. And when and this is the problem. But so often we, we get opportunities on the edge of the box, box and no one's yeah. in there because the opportunities have been created by Benteke. And when it goes out wide yeah, when he's yeah, in the yeah. team, it's always... Yeah. Eze drifted in so much uh, on the game of the weekend that it, what, Townsend was the only wide option on one side. So if you're the only wide option the ball goes out to you, it's this, if somebody had just pulled out on the other side, if an I or a Schlupp or an Eze just created that bit of whip, then it leaves those two options and it's not as crowded down that. It just felt like it was just constantly going down the right. And if you, you're picking up the ball with three players around you, you're not going to have that time and bit of space to to do something with it. And Townsend isn't going to drop the shoulder and beat two players just like that. Like Wolf doesn't get out of those situations. So he just they just needs to be more going on in the rest of the team. And it feels like it's all just going through down that one side. And if that's the only option that you, all you can do is get balls into the box, and there's no one in there to knock them in. So this it's, it's kind of pointless. It, well, it does come back to that the the not having Wilf there. We were clearly yeah, struggle, and, and the stats yeah. back that up. And everything we've discussed today seems to have then come back to this point that without Wilf, we really struggle. But I do think there is there is ways to go around that, but it feels as though then they're not being assessed. And one of the ways is um, by just having someone just play with a lot more width because we do play quite narrow quite often. Um, yeah. and we rely on that bit of flair. When Wolves not there, play of a bit of width and stretch teams a bit more because players we have have quality. But it's hard to play. It's hard to play football on a five-a-side pitch. You know, it's hard to play in little tight circles. Mm-hmm. The wider you make the pitch, the 
the, the bigger the game is, the easier it becomes to play. And it, it feels as though you just get, you get, get really lost. It, it's almost like schoolboy football. Everyone's running to the ball and it just crowds into one place. <laughs> and, oh, the ball comes up. Let's get it to that guy again. And it just seems you you can just say you can smell the pass that's going to come next every time, and it just <laughs> yeah. Mm. And that well, also comes to not having somebody really creative in the middle of the park that can that can make that killer pass as well. But and that's obviously going to happen against teams like Newcastle and Burnley, who are obviously more defensive than a, than a team like Leeds, who are more open. And obviously, you know, we made that count, but we know that Newcastle and Burnley are hard to break down. Um, Kevin on Benteke because we have had quite a few questions from him. Achini says, um, "Who thought that was uh, Benteke's?" Best performance in a long time. Andrew Salter says, if two negatives can make a positive. With Newcastle, was it a missed opportunity to stop and take in Batshuayi? And then Jamie penston Rogers says, was it just me that somewhat enjoyed the irony that it took the introduction of our £30 million flop to give Newcastle's £40 million flop the run of the game? <laughs> Why does Benteke's introduction always lead the other team to looking so much more likely to score? My question to you, though, would be, we know there's a player in Benteke, and I know we talk about him a lot. If he was brought in to start games but he didn't score goals. How long does that patience last? Well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you were terrified of disagreeing with me because it <laughs> really properly makes me feel like the governor. I'm just trying um, to make you feel better after my terrible intro. I, don't think, I, think, I think Palace fans, and we've discussed this before, I think they've been remarkable in their patience with Ben Teke. And I thought, I, I half-jokingly tweeted before the game on Friday, why don't we start with Benteke and, and Batshuayi? And I, I expected to get a lot of flack, and I was quite pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who agreed with me. But a lot of people made really good points about him. Even if, even if Benteke doesn't score, at least it gives us a system, it gives us a shape, it gives us a way of playing, all right? and it gives us other options. Because Benteke, first of all, he keeps the centre-backs occupied because they can't ignore the fact he's not scoring a lot of goals right so it keeps him busy for his time he he works really really hard his his touch is brilliant i mean his his hold up play is still really good he brings other players into the team really well and i just think we lack a focal point whatever system we play we lack a focal point within it and the fact is the reason benteke doesn't score a lot of goals is exactly what chloe and travis said is because you can count the number of crosses he gets in front of him this season on the fingers of one hand compared to what he used to get under pardew and allardyce he hasn't got somebody like goodbye who can play that pass when when benteke is on half turn against the center back who can play the pass on the ground in front of him so he can turn the center back so the that's part of the reason he's not scoring. Confidence is part of the reason he's not scoring. Of course it is. But also we're not playing anywhere near to his strength. So I, I think I, I think play him. And that's I, would, I don't think any Palace fan would be unhappy. Play a 4-4-2. Play as a, or whoever it is you play. Play Wilf wide on one side. Play Townsend or Eze wide on the other side. And get the crosses in for Benteke to, to work off and get back away. Because it, it, can't, it can't be any more inefficient than what we've done in the last in the last two games. And it's clear from what you hear from within the club that the players really like him. It's clear that in training, yeah. apparently, he's fantastic. He looks fit. He's strong. It, it just seems odd. And again, if he lacks confidence, it must be partly to do with that, that he's starting Jeffrey Slup, who's a, a <laughs> utility-wide player. And you know, and part of that, Bruce's article said, well, the, the experiment with Sluppy playing up front in pre-season friendlies worked quite well. Yeah, but look at the opposition we were playing. It's just... <laughs> It doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think 
I don't think after the two seasons we've had with Benteke, Palace fans aren't going to suddenly run out of patience with him. They're not going to suddenly go, oh, yeah, crikey, he's not very good, is he? We, we, we've stood behind him for, you know, some of the chances he missed him when he missed that, took, insisted on taking that penalty and missed it. Other other fans would have booed him on for the next five games. We've stuck, we've stuck by him. I don't, and I don't think there are many Palace fans who'd say, well, Benteke started, I'm really cross about that. I really, I really don't. He doesn't, and he's not, well, I was just going to say he's not scoring much less than he's not scoring goals anyway and he comes into the team within five minutes of coming in the, he had a ball off the chest and there was a shot straight off that there was the header on target for yeah, the Van Aanholt yeah. cross yeah, so yeah. if he does come into the team and then suddenly we're scoring a few goals because he's that focal point and there's things coming off him we, we've grown used to him not scoring goals anyway so if he comes yeah. on place 90 minutes doesn't score goals himself but allows other players <laughs> to score goals then maybe that's the way you play yeah it's like having a little Firmino up front who doesn't actually bag many himself, but brings a lot of players in. He's a completely different player, but maybe that's the way we have to go about it, bring him in. When we play 4-4-2 with Wilf and Townsend up top, when Roy first come in, I reckon even, even Townsend, that would have helped him out. If, if you have Iron yeah. on one side and Townsend on the other and he's in the middle, a little ball over the top, and he's not nodded it in either side. You've got little nippy players that can... Yeah, quick, yeah. quickly run in, in behind and it did happen and there was I think 80 to 85 minutes there was about a five minute point where we did lump it into the box a little bit and there was a couple <gasps> moments and you're thinking why why couldn't have that been couldn't that have been all game yeah well uh, and that's why the, the goal was so frustrating because actually I think when Wilson scored we actually were in the ascendancy a little yeah. bit which was against the runner mm-hmm. play which was frustrating the Benteke thing is difficult I get because like as like I said there is a player in there but he's just been off form for so long you can still sort of see why he doesn't get picked. But I do agree with all your points that at this point, why not? Um, but I get it is it is difficult. And I, I wonder if I use form from last season is still in Roy's thinking when I think this season he is a bit of a different player and not as successful. Um, anyway, let's move on to a question from Dave Cook. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Who says, could you ask Hi, the panel, do they prefer Palace to lose on a Friday night? get the disappointment over and done with and enjoy the rest of the weekend or lose on a Sunday and spend most of the weekend dreading what's coming up and finishing the weekend on a low? No, it ruins the weekend. If, if you win on a Friday night, which we, we never have in the Premier League, <laughs> uh, I imagine that would be a lovely feeling. If you wake up on Saturday thinking, oh, there's, there's loads of live football to watch and we've already got three points. I'd rather, I'd rather not play too I'd rather enjoy the weekend and keep the disappointment till till Monday night, basically. Yeah, this was a question about losing, kinda, not, not winning, unfortunately. It suited me losing on Monday evening. Well, I obviously didn't want us to lose, but because like you're not used to football being at 5.30 on a Monday, it kind of felt like I dreamed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I could just choose to pretend it wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good way to deal with Palace in general, I think. Actually. Yeah. So, um, fine. Actually, no, quickly before the last question, we had a question uh, from Magic3CPFC. Hi, Magic. says, Hi, Magic. I'm just wondering if it's an early start for Kevin Day's predictions piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, ask me again after the West Brom game. <laughs> okay, well, that's still a... Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Magic does say thanks for the laughs and getting us through the COVID commute. So there we go. Oh, no, that's nice. At least we're doing something right, even if Palace aren't. Um, finally then... We've had loads more questions. I'm sorry, I'm not getting around from everyone, but please do keep sending them in. But we have to crack on. Um, two questions here on the same theme. I'll go to Travis first with them. The first one's from Leif Anderson's forehead. Hi, Leif. Hi, Leif. <laughs> Hi, Leif. And he quite simply says, 
Are We Worried? And then the second one is from Mike Phil 81 And he says, are we glass half full, level on points with Arsenal, or glass half empty <laughs> in a six-way battle for relegation with Brighton, <laughs> Fulham, West Brom, Burnley and Sheffield United? Are you worried, Trav? Um, I'm, I'm not worried. I think w- with Roy in charge, we're not going to be playing the football that we want to play or we probably should be playing after this amount of time in the league. But we're not going to go down with him in charge and with teams that are worse than us in the league. I think it's just going to play out. So I'm not concerned about getting relegated um, or anything like that. My glass isn't half full or half empty at the moment. I don't really know how to look at it because we're kind of we can we can play really well at times and then play really badly, seemingly week in week out at the moment. You can't really don't know which way it's going to go. Um, but I'm not I'm not concerned. Yeah, I, I would get concerned if we suddenly picked up a few few more injuries and we had a bit of a crisis like we did yeah. the other season. I think at the moment the depth is there and there is enough goals and enough points in the team. Um, to, to, to avoid, yeah, concern and worry. But uh, to be honest, actually half empty, I'm going to say. I'm going to say half empty because it's kind of, you feel like you're just going through the motions and w- waiting for something to finish. It's like you started watching a a series and you're on the last two episodes and you're really bored of it, but you just have to see see it through now. <laughs> and I think just, we're just kind of seeing seeing the Roy, the Roy through until, to the end of the season. But with, with him, I don't think we'll go down. But So I'm not concerned. But yeah, glass glasses is, is half empty in terms of, what would you expect? I- I'm 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 knocked. No, I'm not I'm not worried. I don't think this Palace team will go down. It's just it's just that we three games on the spin: Burnley, Newcastle, um, West Brom, all below us, deservedly so. We had a chance to pick up six, seven, eight, nine points. Uh, can we get eight points? No, six, seven, nine <laughs> points, um, and and go towards Christmas and some difficult games. Really happy fourth, fifth with no chance of going down it's just now you, you can't help looking down the table a little bit you don't I'm generally not worried I'm just a bit like, as Travis said I mean frustrated is the is the word I, and I I think if we beat West Brom on Sunday as we probably will you will it'll be more frustrating because you think well why couldn't we do that against Newcastle and West Brom if we lose and I know we'll talk that if we lose on Sunday depending on the manner then I think there might start to be some proper pressure on Roy but I still don't think we'll go down and I don't think getting rid of Hodgson is the right thing to do at the moment um, Chloe before you answer the question can I just throw in mm. another caveat which is that do you mm. think that people at the moment are more frustrated I mean obviously it, it, the football is frustrating we all want Palace to do better of course and these two defeats are, are disappointing do you think there's an element of Covid fatigue as well at the moment that is mm. possibly clouding yeah, yeah. the way people feel about things that if if life was more normal, then maybe people wouldn't be getting so frustrated about everything. Mm, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of it in that way. Um, yeah. I suppose. I suppose just to say my feelings, I don't think we will go down because I think although Fulham played pretty well against Leicester last night, they're rubbish. West Brom are quite rubbish. <laughs> Sheffield United are quite rubbish. Um, to, to be fair, it does make me feel a little bit better sat here because it's like at least we're not we're not them kind of thing. Um, COVID fatigue, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of the way that we receive football. Perhaps there is that. Perhaps we're just a bit sort of bored and we want something exciting to happen in our lives. So we've like transposed that onto football. But isn't that what football's for, you know? A sort of ventilation point for, for, for all of the frustrations and stresses that go on in our daily life. We get to 
to to release them at the weekend. So maybe we're just sad that we can't go and shout loudly next to our friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, tra- I think we'd probably be shouting exactly the same thing, which is, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> you analyse the I game a lot while watching it on TV as well, I think. Being at the game, yeah, you kind of get lost in the emotion of it. And yeah. watching it on TV week in, week out, and seeing a whole 90 minutes instead of just highlights. Um, I know there are people out there that do go back home and watch the full 90 minutes after we played sometimes. But watching it on TV, I think <laughs> you, you see a lot more of the game, which... It's just making everyone a lot more, making everyone think about it a bit more, and yeah. and yeah, and and pick 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 pieces out of it a bit more. Yeah, I think, actually, I think that's I think that's a really interesting point, though, JD, because yeah, you know, under normal circumstances on Friday night, by the time you left the Portsons' arms at quarter to twelve, you'd be going, I don't really care what happened. But but yeah, because you'd have had you'd have had fun anyway. You'd have had a nice time before the game, and and I just say it's so frustrating. I was, like I said to you, I got. I was so bored and fed up the last 15 minutes. I went, I wandered off and did something else and forgot to watch the end of the game. And when I found out the score, it's like, it's just not, it's just me and the cat in the house. And it's just like, <laughs> she's, she doesn't care. <laughs> so it's like, literally, you, you, you join in the, the, the angry WhatsApp groups, but it's not, it's, it's not the same. Foot, yeah, and football isn't point. just 90 minutes on a pitch for all of us. No, exactly. Football is a, yeah. is a day out. There's a lot more that goes to it. But at the moment, football, the only football is the 90 minutes on the pitch. Yeah. So if that's, yeah. all, if that's all you have, um, then <laughs> at the moment it's just not... <laughs> But it's the same with the players, good. Travis, yeah. as well, isn't it? Because you know, you've played football. But, you know, footballers don't want to play in front of an empty stadium. Yeah. This is not. This is the season they they won't tell their grandchildren about. You know, they, they, <laughs> it's, it's not the same for them. So you kind of that's yeah, well done, JD. It's a good question. You're back in my good books now after disagreeing <laughs> with me earlier on. You, you sound so shocked. <laughs> um, no, I think it's, I think you're right. Like. The football isn't brilliant at the moment. It is a bit boring, but it's being multiplied in boringness by the fact that just watching football in general is quite boring at the moment because we don't have all the fun stuff that goes along with it. So I I think it is sort of a multiplication of all those things. Um, Again, Mm. to end on a depressing note, (laughs) let's wrap up part three. Uh, And in part four, we're going to preview what's become quite a big game, West Brom away. Right, uh, welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Well, I, I sound bored, and I'm not bored, but it, it's late at night, so maybe I'm yeah. a bit tired. Um, can you, JD, can you stop rubbing your eye? It looks really sore. It's not. I just, I think I'm just a bit tired, and just a bit thinking about Roy's football is just making me. <laughs> Well, anyway, the baby, the baby could be doing that. Rather also, than the, the baby not sleeping is not helping. <laughs> um, West Brom away on Sunday, the midday kickoff, uh, has suddenly become quite an important uh, game. Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. That's one of our. I wasn't just calling one of you Lynn. That's one of our listeners. Um, says, <laughs> um, so, Sunday's game is a six pointer now. Does that surprise you? Mark Drew has said we're Hello. in a relegation scrap yet again. How many nah. times have we said that nah, in the last no, seven no. years? And Chaz Lucas, Hi, Chaz. on a similar Chaz. theme, has said, should I just delete social media if we lose to West Brom? Uh, I don't think we're going to lose to West Brom. I don't think this was me that initially said this, but I, I thought it. It's so good that West Brom picked up their first win. Otherwise, Absolutely. they would 100% picked up their first win <laughs> against true. us. Absolutely. But now, the, na- the narrative before the game is going to be... We, and we've been West Brom so many times in this situation. The narrative before the game is going to be, 
if West Brom want to stay up, they need to win games like this at home. And we're going to go and we're going to frustrate them and we're going to beat them. And it's going to be really f***ing annoying for them because it's going to be so <laughs> gross the way that we do it. It's going to be gritty. It's not going to be flary. We'll probably do it 1-0 and then just defend. And I, I, and I think we'll, pro- we'll probably beat them. I, Chloe's taken the words almost exactly out of my mouth. I think it's a good thing for us that they, they got that first yeah. win. They, they didn't play badly, but Sheffield United on another day could have scored six or seven against them easily. Their keeper played brilliantly. And I think they'll go into this game with a confidence they don't really deserve to have, to be perfectly honest. And I think <laughs> that I think they'll be saying to themselves, you know, Palace, Palace aren't a good team. Beat Palace and we're only six points behind them. And the fact is that we are a competent, dogged quite physical team and I, and I think we're probably the worst team they could play off the back of that thing and yeah. I think Wilf will be back and that will whatever arguments we have about being a one-man team we're not but Wilf will be back and that will make a difference That they'll see his name on the team sheet and that will that will worry them and I, I think the longer the game goes on without them scoring the more frustrated they'll get and I, I can see us scoring goals in that game to be perfectly honest so, and also I don't think we're in a relegation dogfight we I'm not saying we won't be but at the moment I don't think there's, there's quite a substantial gap between those bottom five teams and it's, not, it's really interesting the way pundits can't get certain teams out of their heads it's like they're convinced that just because Burnley and Sheffield United are managed by Sean Dyche and Chris Wilder good old-fashioned up and out English managers that they're ignoring the fact Sheffield United got one point out of ten games right one point out of three is unlucky Right, one point out of ten, and there's only one team that's ever not been relegated after one point out of ten. And I know we would no points out of seven, but that's that's going to take a lot of coming back from. Burnley's going to take a lot of coming back from. Fulham, I was full of admiration for Fulham the other night, but I think they will they will they will go down. I think West Brom will go down. I think one of Burnley or Sheffield United will go down. Mm. And I, I, I've you know we're a better team than six or seven teams in that division. We're not at the moment. The last two games we haven't been. But I think I think we probably are, and I still think tenth or twelfth is where we'll finish up. Uh, yeah, one point out of ten is obviously worse than that start we had in 2017, yeah. which was absolutely terrible. Um, so they've quietly gone about being worse than us, which is impressive. Um, Trav, what uh, if Wilf is back? Obviously, that's massive, and we're assuming he is. We don't know that for sure, but we assume he is, or we hope he is. Um, obviously, he comes straight in. What other changes would you like to see Roy make from the Newcastle game? Um, to be honest, it's having Will from the team would would elevate everything else. Um, Schlupp definitely not up top. I probably I'd want it. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd probably I'd, I'd start. I'd start Batshuayi or, or Benteke. I'd start one of those two up top and kind of get one of, get a Benteke or a Batshuayi, and you, you can get the ball to feet to up at the top of the pitch, and then get people around him so we can frustrate them by. Holding the ball in in their in their half of the pitch and knock it around a bit more and have 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 a real focal point at the top of the pitch. That's what I think we need. And obviously Wolf being in the team as well. I think it's just one of those games we need to win. Like Kev said about the Sheffield United and Burnley thing. The reason why they fought within a different kind of bracket than we are is because they've had a season each from where they've finished eighth, seventh, yeah. sixth, yeah. high in the table. And that's that's really 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 what we need to be doing. We need to just put be putting these games away so we can have one of those seasons and get into that top half and finally break this curse which he's got never being able to do it. It's really frustrating. But yeah. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll fin and I probably want to see, I'll probably put Batman to start, I would say. 
Because yeah. I yeah. think he needs a goal as well, and it's a, it's yeah. a game where um, that, that 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 could be possible. You're right about getting people around them as well. Get, if, mm. you, if you're going to have players like that, that good feet, they, you can't leave them isolated, and then that obviously has been happening. So um, yeah, okay, good. Um, that, that, that's a nice positive way to end the podcast on actually guys thank you very much thanks for not indulging the relegation uh question <laughs> so thank you very much that is the end of the pod uh chloe thanks for uh joining us again it's always great having you on oh thank you it's always a pleasure being here thanks for having me again fantastic and trav good to see you again nice one and same to you always good having you on as well we're very lucky to have uh such great uh pod squad members uh to join <laughs> us and kevin I take back everything I said at the start. <laughs> You're a wonderful, dedicated, important, loyal member of the podcast. We can't do it without you. And your face looks good with or without Tash. You know I'm an arm around the shoulder, man. Even though I'm, I'm the old... I'm the, you know I'm the old head in this team. You know the first yards in my mind now. The legs have gone. But I'm, but I'm still an arm around the shoulder, man. That's the only way I... I yeah. God, there you go. I need to be more part of you than, uh, than Pulis. Um... Right, uh, we have got the FYP Christmas quiz this Sunday. So after the West Brom game at 7pm, we're doing a Christmas quiz on Zoom available to all our listeners. If you want to join us, DM us on Instagram or Twitter and your email address and we'll send you the link. Or email us, contact at fypfanzine.uk. There's some very decent prizes available and it'll be a lot of fun. So join us if you can. Uh, also, don't forget to visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP to start a subscription for just £1 a month. Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you again soon. Bye. 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 Podcast Network.